everyone and welcome back to Motherkind, the show that is going to help you navigate the massive challenges of motherhood and life with more acceptance, ease, joy and purpose. Thanks to each and every one of you that come back every week to listen, learn and feel inspired. And if you love the podcast, do me a favour and hit subscribe. It really does help. This week's guest is Natalie Lee, who you might know as Style Me Sunday. She started her career as a midwife before starting her blog, Style Me Sunday, in July 2012. And over nearly a decade, she's grown her platform from a blog to a brand and now reaches women across so many different platforms in so many different ways. Her book, Feeling Myself, How I Shared My Shame to Find Sexual Freedom is out in June and I was lucky enough to get an advanced copy and it is incredible. I said to Nat a couple of times through the interview, I think this book is going to help so many women. In this chat, you're going to learn about sexual shame, what it is, how it manifests, You're going to learn about why using the correct terms for sexual anatomy is vital, how Natalie healed her sexual trauma and what that has meant for her girls and what her dream is for the next generation. This is a really emotional conversation. It's also an incredibly important one. I hope you enjoy it. Here it is. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Gemondo. I don't know about you, but between the girls, work and the domestic load, finding time to exercise is not easy. I also personally find gyms a bit intimidating and they don't work for everyone. So if gyms aren't your cup of tea, join the growing list of people cancelling their gym memberships in favour of working out at home with Jamondo. Jamondo is an online fitness and wellbeing platform with hundreds of 20 to 30 minute workouts and training programs ranging from HIIT and yoga to dance and meditation, plus over a thousand healthy recipes. So aside from the freedom and flexibility Jamondo offers, exercising at home is fun, it saves you money, it fits perfectly into your life and it helps you stick to your fitness goals. So start a 14-day free trial and save 50% on your annual membership by visiting jamondo.com. That's G-Y-M-O-N-D-O.com and entering the code MOTHERKIND. On to the episode. Welcome, my lovely. I'm so excited to be chatting this morning. Oh my God, I'm just happy to be here. I I love talking about myself and about my book and everything. So I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. So I finished the book last night, which is incredible. Congratulations. Oh, it feels so strange when people say that because not many people have read it yet. And it's just like, oh God, because I'm opening up my heart on it. And yeah, it's a weird feeling. I don't quite know what to feel or to say when somebody says that. What do you feel? How are you holding that level of, because it's very, very vulnerable. How are you holding that within yourself? This book is all about me finding my voice and being unashamed, you know, and just being like, this is me. No one has anything over me anymore. I can't feel, oh my God, like what if they knew this? Because it's all there now. So it's freeing, it's nerve wracking, it's exciting. It's so many things. It is incredible. And yeah, I mean, you have found your voice. You can tell that from the first sentence of the introduction. It's 
incredibly powerful. So you mentioned shame like straight away, and I know that's something you're really passionate about talking about. Tell me about your journey with shame. I just think I have felt shame for my whole life. It's been something that has really been like a gremlin in the room. You know, I like describe it as like, yeah, this little gremlin that sits in my room that is there, but I pretend is not there. You try and just get on with your day and just ignore it. But this gremlin will kind of like pop up every now and again and like almost banter or like berate you occasionally. Sometimes it's quiet. Sometimes it's a bit louder. So that's my sort of visual representation of shame. And I feel like the more you embrace it, the more you shine a light on it, the more you can like just try and live with it. I don't think I will ever completely get the shame away, but I definitely feel like I've made friends with it now. And it's not this little gremlin in my room. It's now like, all right, like you're there, right? Hi, how are you? Like you're almost like a friend now rather than just an enemy who I pretended wasn't there. Yeah, because shame loves secrecy and, and it breeds when we try and hide it. What are those things that you're healing from? What are those things that you're bringing into the light that no longer have that bind on you? Well, that's the thing. I am still finding new things all the time. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. I think I felt shame for being a woman. You know, I feel just the whole way our society is. Girls can't wear short skirts or, you know, you're showing too much cleavage or you should sit with your legs closed. You know, just being a woman and having a body automatically makes you feel ashamed because of how society makes you feel. I felt shame for the color of my skin, especially when I was younger. I had a real issue with identity because I was brought up in a predominantly white area with a white mum, single mum, and I had no relationship with the kind of black side of my family. So that was hard. Oh, what haven't I felt shame for? You know, I feel obviously sex. Sex is a big one. Being a woman, I think, we don't feel comfortable talking about sex. We don't feel comfortable talking about masturbation. We're not told that it's okay to explore your own body. We're not told that it's okay to feel pleasure and enjoy sex. The way we talk about it just highlights how much shame it's surrounded in. So I could go on and on and on, but there's so many things that we feel shame for. And I think it's particularly significant for anyone who is like a minority, for women, for women of colour, you know, if you've got a disability, anything that makes you feel, I guess that society has made you feel slightly less than. Yeah, and I think that's why the book is just so powerful because what shame makes you do is it makes you silent. And I feel like what you've done with this book is say all the things that, you know, me included, like I've never talked about many of the things publicly that you share so brilliantly and intelligently about, you know, like this whole idea of virginity. Tell us about the virginity myth and how that plays into sexual shame. 
Oh, well, I just think, you know, the whole virginity myth is exactly that. It is a myth. And women are made to feel like their sexuality is a gift that you give to a man. And it is fetishized. And, you know, it means that we don't think of virginity so much in terms of boys. When they have sex, it's not a big thing about losing their virginity as much as it is for a woman. It's like this mythical treasure that you're handing to somebody when you have sex. But that is such a social construct. It's like, no, sex should be about two people coming together. It should be equal. It's not a gift to somebody. It's a joint, pleasurable experience. And the whole virginity myth plays into this idea of what sex is. So, you know, penis in vagina is what we are classifying as sex. Well, I know, and lots of people out there who aren't heterosexual know that that's not how we classify sex. Sex is beautiful and connecting, and it's not just about penetration. It's so much more than that. And it's really important that people know that because there's lots of conditions out there that make penetration difficult and make them feel ashamed about that. I want children to grow up and know that there's not just one option, there's not just one path, that sex and relationships and connecting with other people is so much wider than what we've been given. I think it might be slightly different for the younger generation now, but certainly in my generation when I was growing up, there was only one path that I was kind of given and I didn't even think about my choices at all. And sex education was like a joke, an absolute joke. No wonder. I think you're right now. I think our generation of women, you know, that's had a massive impact around sexual oppression, shame, because of what we were taught in schools and the media. If you were in charge of sex ed, if I gave you that job tomorrow, what would you do differently? What would the curriculum look like? Oh, my God. (laughs) Zoe, please give me that job tomorrow. This is the dream. First of all, I would make sure that sex education was not white heteronormative and it was inclusive and spoke to lots of different people and didn't alienate people, made people feel like they do have choices and they can be themselves. That's the first baseline. And then I would change sex education and call it pleasure education. So we're coming from a different perspective because sex ultimately for me is about pleasure. That's the main important thing. And then we can talk about the risks of pleasure, the biology of pleasure, but it also opens up so much more of the conversation to include feelings, to include how you connect with somebody, relationships and communication and I feel like that is a lot more of a wider aspect and it just allows a bit more freedom when we talk to kids. And also, I feel like sex education is very defensive. It's like, this is what will happen if you have sex. You're going to get pregnant. You're going to get an STI. The way we demonize it for children 
means that we put it underground and therefore it doesn't allow the conversation to be normalized and children don't feel like they can ask questions so that's where it goes a little bit wrong and that's where I feel like it's a huge safeguarding issue if children don't know the correct names for things they don't know that what's happening isn't necessarily right and also we do know that a lot of court cases are thrown out of court because children do not know the correct names for things. So that's a really important point. And, you know, that's such an important aspect for sex education. Just let's call things what they are. Let's not feel any shame about it. Let's not have the separation of boys and girls. But also sex education is really important to do in the home as well because it should be a very easy everyday conversation and I know that there's a lot of unpacking to do to get there but we've got to start. There's so much that you've said first of all there was a study I'm sure you know this that if you give your children the correct names for their anatomy it actually reduces their risk of any abuse but I think it's like 30 to 40 percent I'll find the study that I was reading the other day and I'll pop it in the show notes for people to read it's a massively important thing that us as parents and particularly mothers I think need to do is use the correct terms on that point I don't think you need to worry about being militant about saying they must say the correct names for things because in school and in society in general we don't tend to say the correct names for things but as long as they know what they are I think that's important. You don't have to enforce it like a police officer, but just make sure that they know a vulva's a vulva and a vagina's a vagina and a clitoris is a clitoris. It's really important to teach our boys and our girls exactly where the clitoris is and what it's for, you know? (laughs) And what about age appropriateness? So tell me with your girls, like, There's this idea, isn't there, that we sit down and have this conversation on one day. And what I'm learning from the book and from what you're saying is that there's a constant conversation around pleasure and sex and sexuality. But how do you get the age appropriateness right? What have you done with your girls and what have you learned from all the research that you've done for the book? My belief is that if your children are old enough to ask the question, then they are old enough to get the correct answers. So we don't have to talk about storks bringing in a baby or, you know, cabbage patch. (laughs) I don't know what, like there's so many random stories that have been made up. My mum and dad told me it was a special hug. And I remember being totally freaked out about hugging people that I was going to have a baby. (laughs) Exactly. That kind of misinformation is really fucking scary. We then start to make up stories and we don't quite know what's real and what's not real. That's why it's really important. And I very much think you are led by the child. If you feel like they haven't asked the questions, then ask them, do they want to have this conversation? Do you feel comfortable having this conversation with me? What will make you feel comfortable? Using things like when you see kissing on the telly, don't turn the telly off. Use it as an excuse to start up that conversation. How does kissing make you feel? Would you like to experience kissing someone one day? 
you know, do you feel like you want to kiss men or women or, you know, just like, let's stop also making assumptions. Let's stop thinking our children are going to be heterosexual from the moment they're born. Who says that? Let's try and keep the floor open and allow for individuality and expression. Freedom of expression is very important to me. It's so important. I'm wondering, how do you think your journey with sex and sexuality and shame would have been different if some of those early childhood experiences that you'd had around those things were more, as you're describing it, what you're doing with your girls? Oh, God. (laughs) That's such a hard question. I don't know. Because the reality is, I don't even know if I would have got married and had children. I don't know. It's a difficult question because that's all I knew. And I don't know where my head would have been if I had lots of different options. My friend likes to call it a buffet. If I had, if I had the buffet open to me, I don't know which section of the buffet I would have chosen. Maybe I would have chosen a little bit of all of them. <laughs> And what's it like now, you know, post-divorce? And I do want to dive into a bit, if that's all right, to talk about that, because I know lots of people are super curious about that, you know, about your sexual empowerment post-divorce. What's that been like? You know, I I loved reading in the book about your experiences with women and men and just keeping that open, but give me more juice. What's it been like? (laughs) I want to know more. (laughs) what do you want to know I want to know how different it is how do you feel when you're in a sexual encounter with a woman how differently do you feel than when you're with a man because I've never even kissed a woman and I'm curious I want to know so you I'm going to learn vicariously through you it's very different I feel like when you connect with a woman there's just this beautiful understanding that is it just feels like home like the other person understands you and your body and I think yeah you know you can connect on a level that is just deeper than with a man and also the sense of freedom is like incredible for me personally it's really hard to have sex with men and not be worried about my body and what it looks like And there is a slight, even now, there's a slight performative aspect to being with a man because that's kind of all I ever knew and did, you know. And I feel like it just feels more natural, weirdly, being with a woman. It just feels more, it's really difficult for me to put into words. I'm so much more present is probably what I'm trying to say. I'm so much more present because I'm not worried about what they're thinking of me. I'm not worried about trying to make them come and trying to make sure I look good. And it's just so beautiful and magical and easy and gentle and soft. Not always. I mean, you can still play it up and mix up the (laughs) sounds like you're able to be much more in your body and less in your head for sure that's exactly what it is like exactly and that's a beautiful beautiful feeling and you know I don't know why that is it may be linked to trauma do you know what 
it's definitely, I'm not going to say maybe, it's definitely linked to trauma. It's definitely linked to the imagery around sex, you know, how we see it on our TV screens and how porn has showed us, you know, I learned, <laughs> I learned a lot through porn about how to, how to like throw my head back and how to scream and how to like, you know, make them basically come quicker. There's a lot that goes into why it feels more safe and more natural with a woman. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stresses, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. Therapy is just an incredible, safe, non-judgmental space. I absolutely love it. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule, which I think as busy mums is what we all need. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash motherkind today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash motherkind. I love that you use that word safe. And I want to talk about trauma because I think, you know, in order to fully experience those feelings of sexual embodiment, we have to feel safe in our body. And you've been through an amazing healing journey. I know that word's wanky, but it sounds right to me, that sort of healing around trauma and feeling safe in your body. And I know so many people listening to this podcast will really relate to not feeling fully embodied to experiencing dissociation during sex or just in life. What have you learned about trauma and about safety in your body and about somatic healing? You know, and it's all in the book. For anyone struggling, definitely get the books. It's all in there. But can you share a bit more about that now? I had a very early introduction, I would say, to sex and trauma. And that coloured my whole life, my whole thoughts and processes around sex and the interaction between men and women. It was, for me, often violent and non-consensual, and it felt very, very unsafe. So it's no wonder women and me often feel unsafe during sex and are unable to get out of our heads because we have a lot of association to trauma, unfortunately, when it comes to sex. And that's something really, really difficult to understand, to process, to, I don't think you'll ever overcome it, but you want to try and be in your body, as you said. How have you edged towards that safety in your body? There's been lots of different ways. But first of all, I think talking about it has been huge for me. There was a lot of shame in the silence, as we've already touched upon. It felt so scary to me that I couldn't talk about it. I felt like if I open up that box, I'm going to fall apart. I'm going to be a mess on the floor. And what I eventually realized is that it's not as scary as you think it's going to be. And you can connect with that child or that person 
who experience trauma and you will survive. You can go there in a very careful, safe environment with the right people, person. I found a really good therapist who really helped me open up that box and start to look in it. And I knew that if I felt that I was held, there was a safety net. And that's really important. But other than sort of talking and therapy, I had to connect to myself again. I feel like you can't connect to anyone really properly if you haven't connected to yourself. And for so many years, as you sort of mentioned, I was disassociated and my mind and my body were not connected. They just weren't. I really struggled feeling any emotions. I really struggled feeling anything. You know, sex was perfunctionary to me. It wasn't this huge, like, emotional rush of feelings for me. It was something you did. It wasn't necessarily pleasurable, enjoyable, and this most beautiful experience that I am able to experience now. And, you know, meditation has been a massive thing for me. Meditation has really helped me to connect again. In the book, I talk about like different treatments. I talk about a yoni massage that was incredible, actually, that really helped me with the sexual trauma Oh, obviously masturbation. Masturbation was huge for me in terms of reconnecting to my body, learning what I do like, what I don't like, just using my own hands to explore my body sounds so bloody basic. And like, how did you not do that before? But I really didn't. I think I did it when I was a kid and then shame overtook. And society overtook and taught me that good girls don't masturbate. That's something only dirty people do. And if people really knew what you did, they wouldn't like you anymore. So reconnecting to my body by touching it, like you don't even have to masturbate. Like I now can sit there and rub cream into my body. And it's almost like a bit of a a ritual. It's like I am fully present and that touch and that connection is the first step in terms of making me feel safe when connecting to somebody else because I have to be in my body. I have to be fully present. It's just so powerful what you're saying. You sharing that is going to help so many people. Just, I just really want to underscore because I've been through similar, different story, but very similar trauma work and healing. And I think just you sharing that fear of opening that box and yet on the other side, what it's unlocked for you, I think is going to help so many people. And you talk about it in the book so brilliantly. I think also, I just love, love that you're talking about how we have to connect to ourselves first. You're absolutely right. Isn't it insane that we expect another to be able to pleasure us and we're expected to be able to communicate what we like to that other if we don't know ourselves? It's actual insanity if you think about it. And I love that it weaves through the whole book is this idea of 
pleasing ourselves first, putting ourselves first, and actually that being the least selfish thing that we can do. And you say it in the book, I underscored this line about 20 times. You say, use your kids as a motivation to love yourself more rather than an excuse to love yourself less. And I was like, yes, 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 yes. Because I think it's so easy to, particularly when we have a trauma history and a dissociation history, I think that gives us a greater propensity to forget ourselves and throw everything into our children. I don't know if you agree with that. That's definitely what I experience. And I think what you talk about in your message is like, no, let's put ourselves not even on the top, but just near the top and give ourselves the gift of what you're doing, which is that healing and that empowerment and watch the impact that that has on your children. How are your girls, since you've been on this sort of, I would call it transformation, how do they experience you and life differently, do you think? It really is a transformation. Again, that might sound wanky, but the amount of understanding I have now come to about myself and my processes is nothing short of revolutionary to me. And the thing is, is because of the shame, there was stuff that I couldn't forgive myself for. There was stuff that I felt such deep shame about, but I needed the understanding that I have now of why I've done stuff or why I've got myself into situations or just that deep level of understanding has opened up the avenue of forgiveness. And once you are able to forgive yourself, oh my God, it's incredible. And my girls have, I'm sure seen the benefits. Again, I'm now able to just be more present with them. I'm now able to enjoy them for who they are. And I felt for so long, like I was going through life and it was just, let's get through this day. Let's just get through this day doing what I had to do. Let me just try and be a good enough person, a good enough mother, like read the book, even though I fucking hate reading books to my kids, I'm just going to do it because that's what a good mother does, you know? And now I can do things and actually enjoy them because I know how I work and they get the benefits of a mother who is fully, fully, fully engaged in what's going on. And every single day, they say little things to me that bring me to tears because I know that they are seeing the change. They are seeing, oh, I'm getting emotional again, because I know that I'm really connecting with them. And it takes your relationships with everyone, with my friends, with my children, any relationship. It takes it on a new level, a deeper level. It also opens up space for really fucking uncomfortable feelings. Really, but that's what happens when you start feeling again. You feel the highs and you feel the lows. And it's a roller coaster. It's a fucking mental roller coaster. But it's incredible because my relationships with my children and with those around me who I love has just taken on such a a vulnerable, deep, 
open, honest level now that I've never had before in my life. And it's just, it's incredible. As you're talking, I was thinking about, you know, life when you're stuck in that sort of unprocessed trauma and, you know, mental health challenges and and just that disconnection. It feels like it's in gray to me, like black and white gray. And then the sort of healing work that it starts to feel like life slowly comes back to color again. And then suddenly you're living in like technicolor and it feels just incredible. It does. And, you know, I felt like I was on a hamster wheel. I was just like, just running along, running, 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 running. And now I feel like I can actually get off that hamster wheel sometimes and look around. I can actually look around and I can actually feel what's going on rather than just going, just keep going that, like just keep going. And then ultimately, when you are in that disassociated state, for me, my level was very flat. There was little room for emotion and the ups and downs. And now it's like a roller coaster. It it honestly is a beautiful, challenging, painful, magical, (laughs) incredible roller coaster. I think that's how it's supposed to be though, right? I think that's the full range of human emotion is that we feel the highs and we feel the lows and we know that the feelings pass and we can survive them. I think that's the human experience. But as you've talked about so brilliantly, unfortunately, trauma or not even trauma, just even being taught about feelings and how to feel them, you know, we can't selectively numb. So if we try and numb out the hard stuff, you numb out the good stuff as well. And you just end up like a robot. You really do. And one of the things, you know, I really struggled with was after I had my first baby, I was like, where is this rush of feeling, rush of love that comes when you have your baby? What is wrong with me? I felt broken because I didn't get that. And I didn't even speak about that because I felt a lot of shame that I didn't have this strong connection to my kid. And actually, for a lot of the time, I was really fucking down. Those first few years were very lonely, very isolating, and really hard. Really, really hard. Yeah, me too. I really relate. And we don't talk about it enough. We don't talk about it enough. I remember going to mother and baby groups and feeling so lonely and like, <laughs> can't stop fucking crying. And <laughs> just feeling like, why is everyone else doing motherhood so much better than me? Why, why are their babies like good? And <laughs> my baby is just screaming all the time. I didn't feel like I could talk about it because I felt like I was the only one who was going through it. And if I want to do anything from the book I want people to just know that it's not just them it's not just them who's gone through trauma who feels lonely who feels isolated who feels like no one else is going through this shit that's magical that's what I want well you do it incredibly and you know I think when you're able to have the courage and bring that vulnerability you unlock that in others just you bringing that vulnerability allows other people to access that place in themselves. So thank you for your 
yeah, for your truth and your vulnerability and your strength and the wisdom and the book, which is incredible. I would really, really encourage everyone to, you know, I was saying to you at the start, I read a lot of books and it's incredibly powerful. It's beautifully written. There's also tons of research in there. I would like to know some of the kind of things you think will stick with you from reading the book, what really resonated with you. I think definitely the idea about virginity. Not really thought about that before. Oh, really? No, I hadn't. And I think that is massively going to inform how I talk to my girls. I think what you just said, actually, on just when I asked you about sex education, talking about pleasure education, I just think that's absolutely brilliant because imagine talking to our girls about that. And of course, sons. And it's just, I think that's incredible. I also loved the whole chapter on marriage and divorce. I'm not in that place, but I think if I ever was, that chapter would deeply support me. I think knowing that it's not a failure, divorce is not a failure. And I think society has taught us that it is, and it absolutely is not. Marriage was constructed when our life expectancy was 40. So it's actually insanity that we expect ourselves to stay the same person and stay with someone for 50 years. And I think celebrating what a marriage was and yet still celebrating two people finding happiness apart in the second part of their lives, I just think would remove so much shame and would stop people staying stuck in unhappy marriages for the children. And that's that quote that I pulled out, that actually what our children need is to look up and see happy, empowered, healed mothers, not mothers stuck in non-satisfactory relationships in order to keep this facade of 2.4 and we have to stay married. And so I think that really, really stood out for me. And I think that is going to help so many mothers. It reminds me a bit of Glennon Doyle of Untamed. I was like, this feels like Untamed, some of the themes. And I just, yeah, loved it. I was heavily influenced by her. I think I mentioned her in the book. Her book had a huge impact on me and enabled me to see things differently. So, yeah. Yeah, she's incredible. I, I managed to get her on the podcast. She was amazing. I love her. Zoe, I really thank you so much for that feedback about the book because, you know, I haven't really had much feedback, obviously, because you're like one of the first to read it. So that just means so much to me, what you're saying. It's like literally lights up my whole soul. It's just so wonderful. It means the world. So thank you for giving me that feedback. I think there's no greater service we can give the world than to dive into the depths of our own pain and trauma and then come out holding some gold to share with others. And I think that's exactly what you've done with that book is you've dived into the depths of hard things to talk about, trauma, abuse, rape, divorce, and you've come out with gifts and wisdom to share with all of us. I think it's incredible and I'll do everything that I can to support it. Thank you. I always ask the same question at the end, which is if you could give just one gift to all the mothers in the world, what would that one gift be and why? Oh, I'm going to have to think about this. What's the one gift? I think I have to give the gift of what we touched on before, that there may be places, places in your mind that feel really scary to go to. It may be really hard to shine a light on those 
places. It may be difficult for you to be really vulnerable, but I really would love to give you the gift of knowing that you can find a safe place to go to those places and you will come out the other side and you will be lighter, you will feel freer and you will be able to experience so much more joy if you do find you're able to go there. It's absolutely beautiful. I always think about this. It's such a paradox of life that in order to unlock the greatest joy, we have to be willing to go through the greatest pain. It's true, isn't it? It's so annoying that it's true, but it is. (laughs) (laughs) It's so annoying, Zoe, so annoying. Why? Why do we have to like crawl into a therapist office on our knees and and crawl through and wade through the, the darkness in order to get to the light? But it seems to be the only way. It's a heavy, heavy load to carry. And you need some support in carrying that. And by talking and communicating with people about it, I promise you, it's such a cliche, but it lightens the load. It really does. And, you know, just finding someone who will hold your hand through that darkness, it will be incredible for you. It's beautiful. The book's out 9th of June, but people can pre-order now, right? Yes, please. Pre-orders make a massive difference. So, yeah. Any other plugs you want to give for it? I don't think so. Like you can come and find me at Starmy Sunday and let's chat. I do want to be careful about my boundaries and like I don't want it to open up. I don't want people to just, you know, feel like they can DM me their trauma because I'm not a trained counsellor or therapist and, you know, it's really important whenever talking about really deep issues that you do ask for permission first and find that safety you know sometimes when you do open up it's like I just want to tell everyone now I just want to but also you have to be very careful about who you're speaking to and what that triggers in them so that's important but you know what this has been a lifetime dream for me to write this book and it's been such a long time coming and it's quite overwhelming that it's actually happening (laughs) now and I feel so proud of myself and I really really hope that people find it as great as you did (laughs) they will well thank you my lovely thank you for your time thank you for getting me a pre-order copy it felt like a privilege and an honor to chat And um, I know it's going to help so many. Thank you so much. That was such a wonderful conversation. And yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you. So that was the episode. I hope that you really enjoyed it. As ever, if you did, please consider sharing it with your friends and leaving me a review on iTunes. It really does make a difference to the number of mums that we can reach with the brilliant wisdom of the guests I have on.